Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today's arm throws its support behind the province's new Firearms Act as a means to help insulate rural gun owners from misguided federal policies. We have an update on grain movement and farm reaction to a new grocery code of conduct proposal. Manitoba's Ag Days opens tomorrow in Brandon. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Rural municipalities are expressing support for Saskatchewan's proposed Firearms Act. SARM President Ray Orb says SARM is supporting the provincial legislation to help insulate rural residents from misguided federal policies. He says Ottawa's new gun law proposals go too far and would ban use of some rifles and shotguns in use on the farm. We've been following um, the Saskatchewan Firearms Act and we've been speaking to the Chief Firearms Officer uh, Robert Freeberg as well. He was at our midterm convention in Saskatoon, and we also had a meeting with him in Regina just recently. And so, uh, we uh, you know needed some more of the details about the act itself. But we're definitely throwing our support behind the province on this. We think there are lots of good things in this act that people need to know about. And what do you see as some of the key reasons to support the act? I think one of the reasons, you know, it's a reaction, no doubt, against uh, the federal bill C-21 and something that SARM came out in opposition to, especially uh, with the recent amendments to some of the uh, firearms associated with, you know, what, what hunters, what farmers and ranchers use on their farms. It could be it could be rifles, it could be shotguns now that are suddenly becoming illegal because of the federal government desire to, to put them on the list. So we know the province is reacting to this, but we think this legislation is necessary. There needs to be more done, especially, you know, with promotion of hunter safety. We need to make sure that the general public knows, listen, there are a lot of hunters out there that are law-abiding, and they're using safe storage of firearms. They're using their firearms in a responsible way. And so that message needs to be relayed to the federal government as well. So you see it as a way for to help rural Saskatchewan insulate from misguided federal policies? That's what we said in the press release. You know, we think the bill itself, you know, Bill C-21 is misguided in, in um, 
you know, in the relationship of how it actually affects rural landowners and, and their law-abiding possession of firearms, rifles, and shotguns that hunters and ranchers and farmers use every day, uh, as a matter of fact, on their farms to protect their livestock. So um, we see a lot of good things coming out of this act. We know there was very strong support in our provincial legislature on this act, and uh, we want to make sure this act is passed, and we hope that in the meantime, the federal government realizes that there are provinces like Saskatchewan that are standing up for law-abiding gun owners and actually change their mind on some of the amendments that have been brought forward. I see the Saskatchewan Firearms Act will establish a provincial firearms regulatory system to promote the safe use of firearms? Yeah, that's right. And that's something we're interested in working with the province on and Mr. Freeberg as well is to get that message out there. As I mentioned, safe handling and the safe storage of firearms. So I think there needs to be good communication with everyone in this province that's interested. I know there's more interest now in the most recent years, especially from younger hunters that are interested in becoming hunters, you know, even target shooting, things like that. These are the law-abiding people that you don't need to put any more regulations on. But at the same time, I think we need to promote that industry to the province and to the country. Ray Orb is the president of the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Spalding on 620 CKRM. The last two weeks of 2022 were challenging for both railways with an extensive cold spell prior to the Christmas holiday. The Ag Transport Coalition, which monitors grain movement, said shipping week 20 from December 11th to the 17th was about normal, with both railways meeting about 85% of car orders. Then came the bitter cold, which lowered those numbers to the low 60s in the week prior to Christmas and CN dropping to just 46% between Christmas and New Year's. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting, which compiles the stats for the Ag Transport Coalition. He was not surprised by the cold weather's impact. So we know from experience that things mechanical don't tend to work too well when it gets that cold. So the system slows down. Typically what you see is you get elevated uh, levels of uh, cars dwelling for extended periods of time, regardless of where, you know, on the system that happens. And this particular year, we saw a lot of cars dwelling at origin stations and throughput slows down and trains get shorter. So capacity goes down, you know, all of those things come at the same time. The number that gave Poirier greatest concern was more than 5,000 idle cars combined for CN and CP Rail. Last time we saw those levels was uh, a little over a year ago, if you recall, when we had the washouts of CN and CP's main lines heading into Vancouver that literally severed rail access to and from Vancouver for the better part of a week, a little bit longer than that for CN actually. And at, at that time, we saw uh, idle car counts climb up around 5,000, 5,500 cars. So that's a pretty extreme event. And we didn't have an event like that uh, this year. All we had was cold weather. Now, it was very cold, granted, uh, but we got up to the same level. Poirier is now watching to see how CN and CP Rail bounce back now that the extreme cold is over. You know, we look at the numbers every day. We do our network snapshot and we look at the level of traffic that's moving and, and other metrics. And what we've seen, I would say, over the last 10 days, I would interpret as some uh, early positive signs. 
the idle car or cars with extended dwell times has got had gotten extremely high on Boxing Day, more than 5,400 for the two railways combined. And over the last 10 days, they've done pretty stellar work to get those numbers down. So when we looked at the numbers, that number had come down to 1,200 roughly for the two railways combined. Milt Poyer is with QGI Consulting. His comments come from the Grain by Train podcast. It's produced by Pulse Canada, which is a member of the Ag Transport Coalition. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. Hi, I'm Bernard Tobin. Welcome to Real Agriculture. Today, I'm at the Ontario Agricultural Conference and now talking with Dr. Jeff Schussler. Jeff, how's it going? Just fine. Thanks, Bernard. I appreciate getting a chance to talk to you today. Awesome. Well, it's great to have you here. Up from Iowa, if I'm correct. And I want to talk about your presentation. And it was entitled, Positives of Climate Change. And just to prefer some perspective on that, I mean, like, I think we all agree, you know, uh, CO2 concentrations, temperature increases, you know, weather events, you know, we've got some issues uh, with climate change. But from an agricultural perspective, you know, there's some opportunities and we're doing pretty well. That is correct. I mean, most of the average person doesn't hear about the, some of the positive effects or side effects of, of, of global climate change for crop growth. Crop growth is necessary to provide food security for the world. And my background as a scientist in the ag industry, I've helped develop new crops, new, new, new hybrids, et cetera, that can deal with some of these changes in, in, in the global climate that are, have occurred in the last 50 years and are mm-hmm. going to continue going these trends in the, in the future. And we can talk about a little bit more about that in, in, in detail now. Yeah. I want to talk about, you know, again, you mentioned a lot of things from a climate perspective um, that are impacting crops. And maybe I guess the, f- the first thing I want to talk about is, is solar brightening mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, more sunlight. Higher yields? Yes, it's a great thing, actually. I mean, crops make uh, sugar out of photosynthesis by intercepting sunlight and and doing a fancy chemical reaction Mm -hmm. and making food for us. And it's a little known fact that uh, the amount of actually solar energy coming down and hitting North America has actually increased about 25% in the last 40 years. And plant breeders and other scientists have proven that that has been associated with some of the really nice yield increases we've observed in the North American continent for corn and soy and wheat over the last 40 years. Uh, that the, Taking advantage of that with the breeding opportunities of these various companies and universities has been fantastically uh, positive and is helping feed the world today. Yeah. Now, your background, of course, um, corn physiology, mm-hmm. plant breeding, you've been consulting in this industry as well, um, long history. Well, let's... We're going to tap into, obviously, your expertise here. I want to talk about something else. Um, um, The increase in frost-free season length. Um, Earlier planting, you know, longer season. That is correct. That's one of the uh, observations we've we've, we've noted now over the last, again, 40 to 50 years, that the average season length between frost periods in the spring and in the fall has increased at least 10 days, maybe two full weeks in the upper uh, Midwest U.S. and here in Ontario. Uh, That's actually a good thing for the growers, providing a little bit longer season uh, without the risk, without as much risk of those early and late frosts. Having a longer season allows the growers to perhaps grow 
hybrids or soybean varieties that have a longer maturity. They're larger plants. Mm -hmm. They intercept more sunlight. They have more yield potential. Right. And so that's one of the positives that will continue to be uh, increasing uh, in the future based on the predictions. Yeah. You also mentioned uh, corn air conditioning, for mm -hmm. lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, that ability of a corn crop, you know, to sort of, you know, pull out moisture and, you know, impact mm -hmm. temperature. Um, Talk about what's happening there, and uh, you know, you know, you know, it's it's a it's a fascinating concept, right? I mean, all the meteorological records are showing that yeah, there's a lot of increase in temperature in North America, you know, over the last 50, 60, 70 years. Most of that temperature increase, how, how, however, has been in night temperatures, mm -hmm. minimum night temperatures. The maximum day temperatures in the afternoon have actually decreased a couple of degrees over the last century, and that's due to the fact that our growers are growing in the neighborhood of two to three hundred million acres of corn, soy, and wheat that when they are healthy and happy are transpiring or giving off water vapor as part of their process very aggressively. That increased water vapor loss during the day in hot summer days is actually keeping our afternoon temperatures slightly cooler. Mm. So this is a phenomenon known in the U.S. as the donut hole. Right. If you look at a map of the United States and the t temperatures over the last century, well, most of it's kind of reddish and orange around, but in the middle Midwest where all the crops are grown, yeah. it's blue. Yeah. We've actually cooled off our environments. So that that's definitely a positive regarding uh, farmers growing crops really well and actually fighting global climate change. That's the positive part of, of that transpiration. Now, the, there is a, another side of that coin, unfortunately, because as you transpire more water into the air, that water increases the, basically the relative humidity. And at night, it keeps the night temperatures a little bit higher. When you have more moisture in the air, the air, the air tends to stay higher. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Cloudy today, 30% chance of light snow and risk of freezing drizzle. Winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The temperature steady near minus 8. Fog patches developing tonight, the low minus 11. Tomorrow cloudy with 30% chance of light snow and risk of freezing drizzle. Fog patches dissipating near noon. Wind southeast 20. The high and low minus 9 for Tuesday. For Wednesday, cloudy, high and low minus 7. Thursday, cloudy, the high minus 4, the low minus 10. Friday, sunny, the high and low around minus 8. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high minus 1, the low minus 7. Sunday, partly cloudy with a high minus 4. Normal high is minus 11 for this date. The normal low is minus 23. The sun rose at 8.52 this morning. It sets at 5.24 tonight. And currently around the province, the hot spot right now is Maple Creek at minus 2. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids at minus 12. Esteban and Swift Current, both minus 7. Saskatoon minus 8. Weyburn minus 8. Yorkton is minus 10. In Regina, with overcast sky and light snow, it's minus 9. That's 15 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the east at 7. Humidity is 89%. The barometer rising, 101.3. 
Light freezing drizzle in Moose Jaw, minus 8. Winds are from the east at 15. Once again, Regina overcast and some very light snow. It's minus 9. That's 15 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada. Before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils, maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. The Federal Minister of Agriculture says substantial progress has been made in developing the first-ever Grocery Code of Conduct. Marie-Claude Babot encourages all agri-food organizations to get involved in the consultations in coming weeks. She says the goal is to improve transparency, fair dealing, build consumer trust and strengthen the food supply chain. The Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, Todd Lewis, says farmers are involved in the process. The process started a number of months ago, and fortunately or unfortunately, it, it kind of coincided with the real food inflation that we've been seeing. You know, everybody is feeling a pinch at the grocery store, and, and you know, I think it's recognized that there is a monopoly or oligopoly situation, you know, in, a, in our grocery store business in Canada. So I think it's something that's very timely, and farm groups are involved at the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. Uh, we sit at that at that consultation table and, and have, there's been, you know, meetings on on a, every two weeks probably or at least every month for the last number of months that you know speaking about the code of conduct and you know having the retailers in the room along with farmers and and you know the, the farm groups are quite broadly based be it the meat industry or fruit and vegetable growers certainly uh you know, even flower growers and so on are, are, are at that table as well. So it's a broad range of agriculture in Canada, and everybody wants to see the same things and transparency, uh, you know, not only uh, on the pricing that retailers are charging, but even the pricing that farmers receive as well. And, you know, I think it's been a long time coming where uh, farmers have, there hasn't been much transparency as far as how farmers are paid when they deliver their product. For instance, there can be changes, you know, even at the uh, warehouse gate. Sometimes loads are rejected, those kind of things. And uh, so I think uh, the more transparency is built into the system, it's going to be best for every everybody. And, you know, even the grocery stores have some complaints that they're bearing the brunt of a lot of the blame for food, food inflation when they're, you know, they're saying they're just passing along costs that they're, that they're being charged. So I think it's timely and certainly uh, the voluntary part of it. Let's hope that we're able to keep it voluntary. But, you know, I think if this code doesn't go forward, you know, I think there's going to be enough pressure and so on that people are going to expect some kind of transparency around grocery store pricing. Any idea when the code of conduct consultation process ends, when an actual code will be released? Well, they have some timelines, but, you know, I think it's, I would hope, you know, I think they originally started that, you know, I think there was a deadline by the summertime of this of 2023 here, but time will tell. It's something that if they need to take a little bit more time, they will certainly. But, you know, we're hoping that the work continues. It's a, it's a very complicated issue and lots of, uh, you know, commercial interests and so on. So it's going to take time to make sure that we get it done properly. But if it takes a little extra time, it's uh, going to be well worth it. Yeah, the federal minister she would says she would encourage widespread adoption to increase efficiencies in the food supply chain and consumer trust. Well, I think that's what everybody talks about instantly when you see the grocery store prices go up and 
some of those prices we saw, you know, since Christmas here, you know, in, in uh, Eastern Canada, you know, $35 for a, a tray of chicken breasts and those kind of things and, you know, $70 for a pair of steaks. Boy, people really start to question that at, at the uh, consumer level and certainly from the farmer's side, you know, if a, a beef producer uh, certainly isn't seeing that kind of return on his cattle when he takes to market and somehow between, uh, you know, the slaughterhouse and grocery store price, there's a big disconnect there, right? I think it's something that we're going to see uh, more and more uh, people question and when it starts pinching people in the pocketbook like it has, and money's getting tight. People want to have some transparency around how these prices are derived. Todd Lewis farms at Gray, southeast of Regina, and is vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Close to 40,000 people are expected to attend Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon this week. Media Coordinator Teresa Volotin says the show opens tomorrow. We have an amazing speaker program at this year's show. We have three featured speakers on our theme, which is farmer health, safety, and wellness. We have three featured speakers on agronomic or economic topics, and we have a full lineup talking all the way from machinery to intergenerational ag to inflation and how we reclaim the prairie landscape using grazing ruminants. So there is something for everyone in the speaker lineup. So we start off Tuesday morning with Maddie Adamson, and she is going to talk about why she wanted her class to learn about agriculture. So that is definitely an intergen connection. Then we have Machinery Pete talking about new equipment and used being the new new. Evan Schout is talking about change being constant and how to dream big and innovate fast. J.P. Gervais will be there speaking about inflation navigation. Ryan Boyd is talking about reclaiming the prairie landscape as his Nuffield Scholar experience. And Josh Linville will talk about understanding international fertilizer landscape. So we have a diverse group of speakers for all three days. Tell me about the number of exhibits. This year we have over 550 exhibitors and that includes 32 innovation showcase entries. So those entries are something that is new to the industry in the last year or two and is being introduced to farmers at the show so they can touch, see, ask this question specifically about their operation and be introduced to those 32 new innovations. Outline a few of those innovation ideas. Certainly, we have, again, a diverse range of innovation ideas. You will see an electric conveyor. You will see a harvest wall, a telescoping grain bin, and our farm safety innovation of a Jack Ease. So there are categories from agribusiness all the way to farmer-built solutions and safety innovations. How many people usually attend the show? Over the course of three days, we estimate between 30 and 40,000 people travel through the show. 
Teresa Volotin is the media coordinator for Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. The three-day show opens tomorrow. A new study out this month says reliance on food banks and other charities could increase by 60% this year. More than 1,300 Canadian food charity groups were surveyed at the end of last year by Second Harvest, Canada's largest food rescue organization. CEO Lori Nickel says we might be in a new year, but there's no resolution in sight for the growing food insecurity problem in Canada. Also, according to the report, nonprofits across Canada anticipated a budget shortfall of $94 million to meet the growing demand this year. That averages around $70,000 per organization. Jen McGlashan is a director with a nonprofit called Second Harvest. What we found was that the number of people served every month is expected to increase by 60% in 2023, and that's on top of the growth of 134% we saw last year. An estimated one in seven Canadians are now classified as food insecure and require assistance to make ends meet. The charities anticipate adding 30% more food programs in 2023 and increasing the average number of days that they hand out that free food from 3.7 to 4.1. And a really staggering number is they anticipate the budget shortfall to be somewhere close to $94 million to meet that demand. An estimated one in seven Canadians once again are classified as food insecure. Last year was one of the warmest on record for the planet with a global average temperature of 14.76 degrees Celsius. U.S. government agencies say that puts 2022 among the five or six warmest years on record. Government scientists warned that record-shattering hot years are on the horizon for the planet due to relentless climate change from the burning of coal, oil and gas. Anti-poverty group Oxfam says companies making big profits as inflation surges should face windfall taxes to help cut global inequality. That's one of the recommendations in a report the group released today as the World Economic Forum's annual meeting of political and business elites gets underway in the Swiss ski resort of Davos. Oxfam also says that over the past two years, the world's super-rich 1% have gained nearly twice as much wealth as the remaining 99% combined. Meanwhile, at least 1.7 billion workers live in countries where inflation is outpacing their wage growth. That's even as billionaire fortunes are rising $2.7 billion per day. Here's the market updates with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Market update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Grain prices were showing downward movement. Viterra prices for canola this morning fell 50 cents at 8.2312. Number one red spring wheat dropped $3.76 at 4.1580. The rest were unchanged. Durham 4.9261. Feed barley 3.5657. Chickpeas 9.2595. Flax 6.8298. Lentils 7.3750. Oats 2.3932. Yellow peas four sixty seven seventy and feed wheat two eighty nine fifty six. U.S. markets are closed today for Martin Luther King Day. On Friday, on the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March gained two and three quarter cents at nine twelve and a quarter cent. It's the livestock reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan six twenty CKRM.
The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. Now, the latest Livestock Quotes. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Brigham, Mark Ford, direct from Heartland and Swift Current. 500 head on offer last week with mainly cows on offer. Here's the quotation. Good cows were 90 to $1.650. These three cows, 75 to 85 Good bulls, $1.15 to $1.27. Medium, 95 to $1.05. First sort of sales this Thursday, January 17th. For further information, please phone Brett Early. Good day and good marketing. And today's Saskatchewan pork price quotes, 185.89 per CKG. Coming up, the resource report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is in Saskatoon today to tour the Rare Earths Element Processing Plant. Vital Metals is Canada's first Rare Earths miner and producer and shares support services with the Saskatchewan Research Council for its project. SRC will provide support to the Vital Plant on a contract basis in areas such as specialized crushing, analysis and quality control. Both plants will create about 100 jobs. In August, the first metal ingots ever produced in Canada came from the Saskatchewan Research Council's Rare Earth Processing Facility. The provincial government has said there are only four facilities worldwide, and 90% of the supply at this point comes from China. The magnet metals are used in things like electric vehicles, cell phones, LED lights, and wind turbines. Each bar, which is about the size of a gold bar, is estimated to be worth about $500 to $600. $20 million in funding to the new facility so it can expand its capabilities was involved this year to include a metal smelting unit, which will produce the ingots. The fully integrated three-stage rare earth processing facility will be the first of its kind in North America and will be producing products for sale in the international market by 2024. Premier Scott Moe welcomes the PM's visit to Saskatchewan, but he's upset he was not notified earlier about the visit. Moe says the province and Ottawa have an area of agreement on development of rare earth minerals. Moe traveled to Washington last month to meet with various senior U.S. officials to discuss partnering with the U.S. on providing the elements required for North American energy security. On the markets, the TSX has risen 54 points to 20,414. The Dow has gained 112 points to 34,302. Oil has gone down 98 cents at 78.88 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 74.70 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of the broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news, on your voice for everything ag, 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicide.